Envision Financial Podcast with Luke Smith on Canberra's 2CC. It's time to welcome along once again from Envision Financial, Luke Smith. Good afternoon. How are you, mate? All right? Going really well. Now, we've got a strange setup here today, technologically speaking, mm. because we're doing the radio show. Uh, you're on the phone. I'm in the home studio. And at the same time, we're filming the whole thing with Zoom video online. So it's all a bit confusing at the moment. I'm glad I'm not in charge of the technology. Yeah, well, look, I'm not sure I'm in charge of it either, but we'll see what we get at the end of it. And uh, we'll know whether it'll work for next week. <laughs> Exactly. It's an experimental adventure. That's what it is. Now, between now and five o'clock, we're continuing our series on self-managed super funds. And if I haven't lost count, I think this is episode four of our Mm four-part series on SMSF. So today, the question is, is it expensive? Yeah, look, I think this is probably one of the most uh, talked about issues in relation to self-managed. Not only is is the name rather misleading in relation to the self-management part of it, um, because a lot of people don't have the skill set to do this. And obviously, um, it's not something that, that, that's right for everybody. But fees and charges, you know, I, I find people make the general assumption. They jump to, oh, wow, these are expensive because my friends told me so. So today, we're going to talk about some things to consider in relation to, you know, how you compare the fees and charges to other funds. Are they, are they commensurate to other funds and are they appropriate? And um, we've also got some examples that we mocked up um, to show, I guess, where we can, where we can change that misconception and, and, and show some real value to people going forward. So when it comes to comparing those costs, uh, what do people look for? Yeah, so I guess, you know, when anytime we're talking about superannuation, there's obviously going to be a different myriad of, of fees and charges depending on the fund that you're in. I've used the analogy in, in other episodes that super funds are a lot like cars. Different cars have different features and you buy different things for different reasons. And super funds are exactly like that. So in relation to fees and charges for a super fund, obviously there's could potentially be an admin fee, obviously where that could be a scaled fee or a fixed fee depending on the fund that you're in. Uh, what you generally find is you'll have a membership fee for something like an industry fund. It could be a, a fixed amount. Um, Australian Super have just introduced a new 0.04% admin fee of some sort that's getting applied to, uh, to different accounts. That's a new one for them. Um, we've obviously got an internal cost ratio or ICR. Now, this is one that people will generally find um, can be a little hard to understand because some funds are rather uh, misleading in relation to this because when people look in the PDS and they say, oh, I'm in the balanced option of fund A, it'll say the investment charge for that is 0. 0.6, 0.7, 1.2, depending on the fund and its, its individual characteristics. What a lot of PDSs or, or product disclosure statements don't illustrate to the investor very clearly are the other things they need to add to that ICR to be able to do a fair like-for-like comparison to something like a self-managed super fund. Because some of the other things that are not well uh, illustrated in a PDS, if you like, are implicit and explicit investment fees okay we've also got what are implicit and explicit fees well again um pretty pretty good question because i I actually couldn't tell you without dissecting a pds myself um all i know is when we're going to try and compare one fund to another we need to add all of these additional things in because the the retail consumer looks on the 
Australian super website and says, I'm in the balanced option. It cost me 0.6 to be in this fund. When actual fact, when you add in borrowing fees, property fees, um, and, and where applicable implicit and explicit fees, the costs are more like 0.79 or nearly you know, 20 basis points more that people need to remember get added or charged to the entire asset value of your portfolio. So it can make a significant difference in the, in the underlying costs of the fund that you're in, for example. So there's some of the things that people need to think about. Some of the other fees that funds charge in relation to doing different things for members can also be um, super splitting. Some funds will charge a fee to do that where you pass money from one spouse to another. Um, separation. Um, when you're going to flag superannuation in relation to the family court and divorce, some funds can actually charge a fee for that as well. So it's very important that people look at the fund that they're in and get a real understanding of the true costs of the, 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 the fund that, that, that is charging them for different services. And then they can ascertain whether it's actually good value compared to the self-managed super fund alternative. Um, and we can go through some of those, those comparisons in a little bit. So the uh, established uh, industry fund that you're a member of might actually be costing you more than you think. Yeah, look, exactly. Um, you know, if, if, if we look at that and for the sake of the example, I've said that the audit and accounting fee for the self-managed super fund is fixed at $2,500. Okay, so we've got a consistent. And I've also said, for example, there's a million dollars in a super fund just to keep the numbers round. Um, I looked at three or four different funds that are out there in the moment. Obviously, in the ACT, um, the PSSAP, the Accumulation Government Fund, um, their default option charges 1.21% as an internal cost ratio. Uh, the total cost when you add back some of the other fees is 1.41. So on a million dollars, you're talking, you know, 14,100, all right? Yeah. To invest the same amount of money in a self-managed super fund, you're looking at $7,000. So quite a significant difference. Yeah. So again, I've, I've used, um, just for consistency, I've said the internal cost ratio of most self-managed super funds where you're in a diversified portfolio is about 0.45 of a percent. So we'd have $4,500 there. We'd have $2,500 of admin and compliance. That brings us to $7,000. That's $7,100 cheaper than the PSSAP government alternative. So that's one example where, when you actually look at the underlying costs in totality, I think a self-managed super fund is, is very, very flexible in that regard. Yeah, it obviously makes a lot of sense to examine these options when we might be paying more than we think in the fund that we're currently with. And the self-managed super fund, as we've discussed over the last three weeks, isn't necessarily as difficult to set up and run as people might imagine. No, look, uh, again, I think the best thing they could do for the, for the self-managed super fund industry is change the name. Um, yes. I think that's the, the, the first point of fear. And again, you know, if, if we look at some other analogies here and say, okay, the balanced option at Australian super on a million dollars, you'd be paying 7,900 on a million dollars in a self-managed super fund, you'd be paying 7,000 by comparison. Now, obviously one of the biggest advantages as we've discussed in other episodes is the fixed cost nature of a self-managed super fund. So, as your value starts to grow, those savings or cost efficiencies start to get exponentially better. Um, and I think I gave you an example last week. I had a client with a couple of million dollars at Australian Super. 
the net saving was was eight and a half thousand dollars by comparison. So you know it, it starts to really pay to understand how to compare a fund and what you are yeah. really paying. You know, another example, Host Plus. You know, um, Host Plus one point two one percent. Okay, um, twelve thousand one hundred million dollars in a self-managed super fund save you five thousand one hundred dollars in fees every year. Again, another significant saving. But if we move to an SMSF, are there any other costs that we should be aware of associated with that? Um, yeah, look, potentially uh, there can be, and it, it comes down to the structure and, and the, 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 the setup of the fund. Um, and what I mean by that is, obviously, if you have an accumulation account where you're adding money to super and you're drawing a pension out of the same fund, it, it sounds funny, but you can. It's one of the best structural flexibilities of this sort of super fund, um, you may require, or you will require an actuarial certificate, um, and they can cost between two and $400, depending on the provider. And all that does is it confirms the tax-free proportion of the fund in totality. Um, and it's something that's collected on an annual basis and would be completed by the accountant or the auditor. Um, they, would, they would facilitate that for the members. Um, depending on the trustee structure, you may have the incorporated fees of a company and where a company is acting as a trustee of the fund only and is not trading, the annual fee is significantly less than the standard registration of a company. Um, but again, if you don't have a corporate trustee where a company is running your fund, if it's just you and I as the trustee, then obviously that's not an expense that you would incur. Um, but they're two examples of depending on how the fund is set up and what phase of life the fund is in, um, you could have some small costs um, that are required, obviously. But that's the key point, isn't it? Those additional costs are only small ones. They're, they're not much to worry about at all, are they? No, look, exactly. Um, you know, again, depending on the underlying assets, if you've got some weird and wonderful things in there, now, by default, you may have some additional costs that a traditional portfolio may not. For example, if you've got a collection of wine or you've got paintings, and they need to be professionally stored and insured, um, they're going to be ancillary costs that, because of the flexibility that, that you want in your fund and the assets that you hold, you may have some out-of-the-box expenses that won't be incurred on a traditional portfolio of assets that could be invested in the market. Two double C, it's 14 to five, and I'm joined in this half hour by Luke Smith from Envision Financial, and we're talking about self-managed super funds. It's part four of our four-part series on the topic, and we'll be back with more in just a moment. Between now and five o'clock, we're continuing our series on self-managed super funds. And uh, in this section, we're going to ask whether or not a self-managed super fund is expensive. And Luke, we've decided that it's not, haven't we? Well, again, I think you need to compare it on an individual basis because from a case-to-case -case standpoint, obviously it'll be impacted by the value of your fund. Now, we need to keep in mind that these sorts of funds are obviously not uh, appropriate for smaller balances. Um, and I would advocate that people think seriously about opening a fund just for the sake of it because their mates have one. Um, I think two things we need to compare are obviously the size of the fund and the comparison to the costs because you know you're going to be up for 
the setup fees in the first year, as well as say two and a half thousand dollars of admin and, and compliance fees ongoing. Um, so you want to be thinking about you know four to five hundred thousand, or the ability to add to this very quickly um, with large sums of money, where the value would grow exponentially in a short period of time to make it cost effective. Um, but I think it's really important that, that people consider that and not just jump to it because everybody at the water cooler's got one. Okay. So what are some strategies to keep in mind when we're thinking about how to invest within an SMSF? Yes, obviously we need to make sure that we have the underlying asset allocation of the portfolio correct. Um, that is obviously how you feel about risk and assets that will give you what you need to be able to do what you're doing going forwards. Um, it's obviously very important to think about managing the internal cost ratio of, of your portfolio. So think about having some listed shares. Think about using exchange-traded funds because looking at the generic options of an industry fund, for example, may or may not, when all of the ancillary costs are added together, they would be uh, appropriate for you from, from a fee-driven standpoint. So understanding how you build your portfolio for me is just as important as the total return because as we've said in previous episodes, if you've got two cars that are the same model driving at the same speed, you should end up with a similar rate of return. But if we can lower those investment costs, a big consideration is that the admin fee of a super fund is deductible. The internal cost ratio is not. So if all of your fees are associated with the internal cost ratio, you're actually missing out on potential deductions when you compare a fund on a like-for-like -like basis. All right, so uh, it's uh, you know a bit of a challenge to get your head around all this sort of stuff, but uh, uh, are there other strategy options that we need to keep in mind? Um, yeah, look, another thing I'd consider obviously is then uh, the underlying assets. If you want to hold uh, some bespoke assets, it's obviously something that is, is one of the key flexibilities of this sort of fund. Um, so when I mean bespoke, it could be paintings, it could be wine, it could be pink diamonds, it could be... Um, mm. collectibles obviously there are fees and charges associated with these different sorts of assets because obviously there's very stringent rules around how things are stored insured and maintained um, but again making sure that you have a fund that gives you all of the flexibilities that you're after can give you the, the control that most people seek in relation to a self-managed super fund uh, and ensure that the costs are representing good long-term value because in some of those examples that we talked about before the break, you know, you add that up over five, six, seven years, you're talking about a, you know, a nice motor car. Indeed. So now that we've uh, reached uh, more or less the end of our four-part uh, series of self-managed super funds, uh, before we wrap up today, I wanted to ask you uh, about a story I saw on news.com.au, which says a new government incentive could help you save more than $5,000 in income tax but it's only on the table for the six months. Now, what it's talking about is the uh, initiative which allows people to access $10,000 of their superannuation this financial year if they need it due to hardship and another $10,000 in the next financial year. But apparently this leaves a loophole where people can actually make a contribution of $10,000 now and withdraw it again almost immediately and it's tax-free. How does that work? Yeah, so really what we're doing is, or what, what people are proposing is, the, it's an old recontribution strategy where, for example, people over the age of 60 could withdraw money from superannuation via a pension, but put money into superannuation and claim a deduction. So 
with this loophole, it's obviously going to remove the need for people to be over preservation age because it's opening up superannuation to everybody. Um, and all they're saying is if you put money into superannuation and claim a personal deductible contribution, i.e. you tell your accountant that you're going to claim this money as a tax deduction under this one-off exemption that, that ScoMo has given us, obviously people can pull that out in relation to hardship and things of that nature. Is it in the spirit of, of, of fair play? You'd have to you'd have to question whether it is, but it would give people the ability to pull money out tax free after claiming a deduction in the same financial year going forwards. Yeah, I, I wonder if maybe they might notice this loophole and close it fairly quickly. I, I don't know. It's one of those things that uh, I think they probably didn't mean it to work that way, so they might change it at any moment. I don't know what you feel about that, but uh, it might just mm. disappear very quickly. Yeah, look, I think, again, um, you know, most of these things are there for legitimate people that obviously need um, the money to get by. And, and, and in, a, in an upcoming show, we're going to discuss the implications of that in a little bit more detail. Yeah. But I think in the spirit of the law, if you go to claim a tax deduction, now I'm not an accountant uh, and I don't work at the ATO, but if, if you were looking at someone's financial situation and claiming these sorts of benefits, um, you don't want to be waving a big red flag anywhere in front of the ATO because you don't know where that'll go. And they also may have the right to turn around and, and deny you the deduction. So I guess I've just been mindful of taking advantage of, of, of something that, as you say, wasn't created for that purpose. And so where can listeners get more information, Luke? Yeah, look, obviously, you know, you can go to the website, www.envisionfinancial.com.au. Um, obviously, we can ring the office and, and we can organise a, a Zoom meeting um, because that's the, the flavour of the month at the moment because we, we can't sit face-to-face. And the office number's 02-6260-4749. So we're operating as normal, um, maintaining normal business hours and the girls are, are there servicing clients and, and we're taking new appointments um, and just using technology to our advantage. Obviously, we've got the strategy stacker on uh, on iTunes where we have the show and, and we're about to start our understanding series, uh, which will be a, a regular weekly Zoom meeting, which will be coming next month and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that next week. Um, and obviously on YouTube, we've got Envision Financial Canberra where you can uh, stop, pause the show and get the key takeouts and, uh, and build on the strategies from there. Marvellous, Luke. Thanks for that. And we'll chat to you again next week. Pleasure. See you next week.